With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And today we are continuing our series looking at the 2021-2022 Purdue men's basketball roster. Uh, We are out of players who have left the program, whether that be via graduation or transfer portal. So now – oh, wait. Did we do Isaiah Thompson? Um, I don't know. Did we? I thought we did first. Yeah, that's probably right. That's probably right. Um, so today we're, we're going down the people who are going to be returning. We're going to start with uh, Brandon Newman. So that's going to be the second half of the podcast. But uh, if you listen to the most recent episode, we were talking about NCAA and NIL. And uh, I, I said one of the questions I had for Casey, we, we kind of got into a little bit. But now I think we have a little more time so we can talk about it now. Casey, you ready for more NIL discussion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nil, nil, nil or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so – as I said last episode, you and I, big fans of the players actually getting their due, getting a little cash, right? Love cash. Yeah. Love it in players' hands. So right now, we both agree, though, the NCAA has made quite a mess of this. It's not working for me. Um, so let's pretend you get hired as the new NCAA czar, NCAA president. You have ultimate power. You don't have to go through any process. You just get to determine this is the new rule, starts immediately, this is what we're going to do with NIL. Do you have a suggestion on how this should actually work? Yes. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Um, do I think it's easy? No. Do I think it's going to work great? 
No. Do I think it would be quick? No. You're really, again, you're quite the salesman. You're really good. Well, like we said, it's kind of an impossible task. But the only way to make it work is looking at the professional leagues. And it's got to be some kind of salary based around profit sharing. So sort of like how, like, uh... The NBA Players Union and the NBA owners say, you know, of the 100% of the revenue, the, the players get 53 and the owners get 47. That's a made-up number. I don't remember what they actually are, but... Correct. And I think the only way to do it is to make it where... I mean, it's got to be conferences are king. Explain what you mean. Uh, each conference sets up their own salary cap. It is the profit from their conference. So each school gets a piece of that pie. And however that school wants to pay out, that's how it happens. But so all then, those schools have to work from the same pot. Okay, there we go. That was my question. That was my I question. don't know of any other way that works. So in other words, I'm, I'm obviously I'm making these numbers up. There are 14 teams in the Big Ten. Uh, let's say they make – the conference has $14 million that they have for basketball. They give each school $1 million and say, this is yours. Do what you want. Correct. Okay. It's, I mean, it's interesting. It, it does, it feels to me like it has to be something incredibly structured in order for it to work and for, in order for it to be fair. Because if you don't figure out how to put in some sort of salary cap or some sort of, even like a luxury tax like baseball has, if you spend more than, you know, you're, you're given, then you're just going to see teams get richer. You're going to see teams like Duke, North Carolina, like Miami with this life wallet guy spending, you know, millions of dollars on NIL deals. You're going to see teams that have rich boosters suddenly become the only teams that can really make a difference and the only teams that really get top players and and top transfers. And I think the transfers are going to be incredibly important going forward um, because if, if you go out and you say – you know, number one basketball recruit, I'm going to give him $200,000 to come to my program. I'm going to pay him $200,000 for every year that he stays. Well, what if he comes in and he doesn't perform? If he's not as good as they think he is, can they take that money back? Or is that team just going to be, you know, underwater uh, for that contract, so to say? I mean, I, I don't know how any of this is going to work. Whereas I think it's going to be a lot easier if you have a guy like Nigel Pack, who you've seen perform at Kansas State, and you can say, I know this guy can come in and make a difference in my school, so I'm going to offer him, you know, X number of dollars to come in, uh, and he can truly, truly make a difference. Right, which is what I led to is my concern that the way it is now, why wouldn't the successful schools just use smaller schools as feeder systems? Yeah, yep, absolutely. And I don't have a good answer of why not, but... If conferences themselves are allowed to do that, it's up to the conference as a whole to be competitive, make money. Would you possibly see conferences grow even more? Would uh, there so, be four major yeah. conferences? Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. You're balancing yeah. different sports as well. So how does that work? Yeah, I think it's going to have ripple effects that we just can't anticipate at this point. And I hadn't even thought about this changing conference alignment again um, because of it. But it does make sense because if you truly want to stay competitive, you're going to have to go to a conference that has money. Um, because, you know, regardless of if, if school conferences are giving the schools the money for NIL, the big conferences still distribute more money to their member schools. Right. So Purdue, even the, you know, even under the 
hazel years when Purdue football was just horrendous, you know, they were still getting a full payout from the Big Ten Conference for the football season. So, you know, if Ohio State went to the title game, Big Ten gets more money, therefore Purdue gets more money, even though, you know, they might only win two games that season. Um, so if you want to get that money and help your program, you need to be in a big money conference. And there are only so many spots right now in those conferences, even though they continue to expand. So, uh, that, that's a good point that could have a lot of, a lot of impact on, uh, where teams want to play in what, what conference. Yeah. So I don't, there's, cause there's probably no easy answer. No, not at all. And there's no way to collectively bargain for 300 school. Right, right. The best you can hope for is your conference is already aligned and sharing money, which means you have the same goal of spending that money. I would imagine the NCAA will push against this because as soon as you're doing that, the NCAA becomes pretty irrelevant. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... I'm it's... not sure that's a bad thing. <laughs> no. But I don't... It's not like who's going to take over every conference is going to be better. Right. Yeah. Instead of one one big evil person, you're going to have like five slightly smaller evil people. Uh, so it's it's interesting. Um, I, I do wonder along the lines of, of what you've suggested, if they're going to continue to formalize this NIL stuff, if it's going to impact how players sign uh, letters of intent. Um, it Generally, you know, in the past, they've been year-by-year commitments for the players. Um in recent years, that has changed so that they are four-year commitments um, because the idea was they're, they're basically four-year commitments anyway. Um, very rarely was were players asked to you know, not return and their scholarships revoked. So they made them four years um, kind of in a PR move, to Does be real honest. Does that get brought up enough? Because everyone wants to say, like, oh, my God, kids are allowed to leave now. But people don't really realize that the scholarships from the school was guaranteed one year at a time. Right, yeah. So every year the school got to go, mm, no. Yeah, yeah. They didn't really because obviously the PR would be terrible. Yeah, it'd be a terrible look. But they also left themselves that power. Mm-hmm, true, true. So... But but I wonder if these letters of intent are now going to include language about name, image, and likeness and, you know, how much money they could guarantee for you or... Uh, what they're going to split to do. that profit too? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, as we said last episode, the NCAA has said you can't use NIL to bring a player to your school or retain them at your school. But as these rules change, as things go uh, into this new future, I think it's going to be formalized and going to become more like a professional league than a lot of people are comfortable with. But it's where we're headed, and I think it's what the what the NCAA has to do to keep their hands around this thing. Yeah. I agree. They're going to try to hold some, but I just, in the end, the genie's out of the bag. Um, I think we've seen, well, in rare occurrences, I, I think you mean the genie's out leverage, of the bottle, by the way. what I say? Can? The genie is out of the bag. I keep my genies in a bag. Oh, fair enough. Okay. I guess I, I'm not familiar with all of the <laughs> they genie lore. They don't break as easily. Um, uh, makes you sense, can fold yeah. them. You can move them around. It's just all in all a better carrier, a crown royal bag. That's what I use. Ah, well, that's because you're fancy. Right. Um, I just, it's weird because I, in some ways, I think because they're not signed into something already that they have more leverage than even like professional players. Because we've seen professional players give up money and percent just in the terms of negotiation because they wanted something else besides pure 
you know, points on the package. At this stage, I, there's no product without the players. And if conferences can start competing against each other, I would imagine the more favorable it is to the players, the more talent is going to go to that college. Because it's not going to be one-to-one like there's only one NBA. There's literally nothing that compares to it money-wise, talent-wise, prestige-wise. But if you're talking Big Ten versus SEC, all of a sudden that's a competition. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're throwing in the pac And you're throwing in the Ace. And you're throwing in the Big East even though you don't like them. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all shifting. You wonky know, it's, and weird. Yeah. Wonky and weird. I like that. So uh, that's where we'll leave it. We're going to take a break. Come back and uh, talk about Brandon Newman. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. So as promised today, we are going to discuss Brandon Newman, uh, who will be returning uh, for his junior year at Purdue, following, uh, I think it's fair to say, rather disappointing sophomore season, where basically every statistic you can have uh, on record went down for him. Uh, his freshman year, he played 23 minutes a game. This year, 12. Field goal percentage down uh, from 39 to 32. Three-point percentage down from 37 to 32. Free throws, 93 to 79. Rebounds, 3.5 to 1.9. Assists, 1.3 to 0.6. Blocks were down by 0.2. Steals down by 0.4. Fouls went down, so that one's good. Uh, And turnovers did go down, but he he went from scoring 8 points a game to 4.6 and just had numerous games where he did not play uh, in the 2021-2022 season. And it was just a real disappointing season for him. And he, he was a guy who... I think a lot was expected of this year, given how well he played last year, you know, worked himself into the starting lineup and just could not find a way to put it together this year. Do we have any idea why that was, Casey? Honestly, no. Which is strange. Yeah. Um. I mean, the one thing you saw on the court particularly is he just, he didn't, he's a scorer that didn't seem to know where he got his points from. He didn't know what shots were good for him. His... Jump shots didn't look in rhythm. He didn't really seem to understand when he'd be open. He didn't seem to know where his angles were to attack. Um, he didn't seem confident enough to attack. And I think it was just one of those things where he started off the season pretty well. 14, 8, 15, had a couple double-digit games, including 13 against Florida State, where he hit 3 of 3 uh, from 3. And from that Florida State game, November 30th, November 30th, let me. It wasn't until March 11th that he hit a number th- another three. Oh wow! Wait, no, I lied. That's that's a bold faced lie. Oh good. I lied. I don't know. I saw something, but yeah, he, I mean, 
There's a lot of did not plays on his thing. One, yeah, two, far too three, many. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven did not plays. All of them in conference play. Um, yeah. It definitely just seemed to snowball. He wasn't comfortable in the offense. Didn't know where to get his shots. Um, he said his fouls went down. He actually uh, got called for one more foul per 40 minutes than his freshman year. So defensively, he did not get better. It didn't look like. Um, and he just... He looked lost out there, and I don't think Painter did him any. How so? Uh, you know, he got yanked, struggled some few games, uh, gave him a did not play, came back, gave him a couple minutes, and then just didn't play for a long time. And we saw him come out in the Penn State game and was awesome. That was one of the best best stories of the year for Purdue. Absolutely, yeah. And you just have to wonder, like, is there not a – did Painter not have another key to press to not – waste someone with the potential of Newman and just not have him on the floor for pretty much 10 to 15 games. Well, I mean, in fairness to Painter, um, when Jaden Ivey got hurt, Brandon Newman got the opportunity to be in the starting lineup again. It was a game against Northwestern. Purdue wound up winning by 20 points. Uh, but Newman goes out there 0 for 5 from the field, only played 12 minutes, uh, one rebound, one assist, two fouls, and a turnover. And he, he was very, very bad in that game. And when you're given an opportunity like that and you simply don't capitalize, it, it's hard to justify continuing to throw you out there. It's kind of what we talked about with Caleb Burst early in the year. You know, how much do you let him play through these problems knowing that he is going to be the player that we need in the future? Um, he's going to get as – like Caleb Burst is going to get as many minutes as he can handle uh, next season and the seasons after. Um, but how much do you sacrifice the now – for the future when, especially if you think you have a really special team, like I'm sure Painter thought he had last year. You're not wrong. It just, it kind of comes down to, if you believe Newman is the player that he could potentially be, is there any scenario where not having that available at the end of the season isn't a better team overall? And I just, I've seen too many players under Painter who are guard slash wings that can shoot the ball that have struggled to find a rhythm. Yeah, kind of regressed a little bit. And you see them lose playing time, and then you see them transfer. Kendall Stevens is the one that popped yeah. to my mind. There was obviously off-the-court stuff with Kendall Stevens. A close friend of his died. Um, it really seemed like he lost the luster for basketball for a while. That's tough. But, yeah, it's just someone like Kendall Stevens, who was an elite shooter, went on to Nevada and had a great season. I'm not... I mean, we saw Aaron Wheeler kind of in a similar thing where are there limiting factors to our offense that makes it hard to play and make it hard, even harder to play well for some of these guys. Yeah. And like I said, it is something we've seen with painter from time to time, but luckily for us, um, you know, the transfer deadline was May 1st. Newman did not enter his name in. So we know that he will be back next year. Um, and I'm excited to see if he can get back to that form or even improve upon the form that he had in his first season. Yeah, he is a, he is a kind of player that we haven't had for, we really haven't seen put it together because he's shown flashes to not only be an elite athlete and a really good shooter. He came out of high school with a picture of perfect jump shot. And he also has the athleticism to be dangerous attacking the hoop. And we don't have many guys that can do that while defending. And when you watch him play, nothing he does looks particularly bad or off or like he can't do it. In fact, it usually you end up watching him and you're like, oh, if we could just get another 10% out of him. 
if it could just click a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't really – you mentioned in the last episode that he was a chucker. Uh, and he, he is. Takes, he takes a lot of shots. But, I mean, they're not necessarily bad no. shots. Um, you know, that Northwestern game I said he was 0 for 5. Um, he was 0 for 4 against Michigan State later on. 0 for 1 in the game against Yale. And they're not bad shots. And it's just like if just – you wonder if his whole entire attitude, his whole, you know, on-court presence would change if one of those would just fall. Um, because sometimes that's what shooters need. You know, they need to mm-hmm. see one go in, and then it changes everything about how they're playing. And, and maybe Newman is one of those guys. Yeah, they only seem like bad shots because it looks like he's on in in his own head. And like his own mechanics get sped up or he's thinking about it too much. Sasha was able to chuck because he knew he wasn't going to get pulled. Newman's right. not yeah, playing yeah. with that kind of freedom. Because he got yanked and didn't play for most of the season. So that is not the that is not how you get the best out of a guy who you need to go out there and be aggressive and find his shot. Maybe it'll be different next year. He's been there another year. Generally, shooters click in their third season. This would actually be, what, his fourth season on campus, but third season yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, third season play. And maybe he doesn't have to think as much. And when you look around at the guard play around him, just the same way point guard is uh, pretty thin, and if Ethan Morton is taking over minutes at one, there are not a lot of bodies on the wing either. Uh, true guards, we are looking at Ethan Morton and Brandon Newman and a bunch of freshmen, redshirt and not redshirt. That's it. Yeah, you know, we we talked about the, the point guard position in our last episode, and you, what you just said kind of remind me, if we're going to rely on a true, true freshman, Braden Smith, with maybe Ethan Morton as our backup point guard, it really changes who we can put on the court because Morton is not a natural point guard. And if he, I mean, do we think Morton will be a starter next year? If we, if we were throwing the team right now, I can't imagine he wouldn't be. So then if you have to shift him over to point guard, who do you move into his position? It's probably Brandon Newman. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I don't think Newman, uh, I think there's like three different ways that Newman gets to 30 minutes a game. And that's because Morton plays a little one. It's because he has to play a little bigger. I don't think there's any chance where those two don't have all the opportunity in the world to play 30 minutes apiece. Trey Kaufman Wren is highly talented. We don't know if he can play as a wing. We have a lot of big guys. We don't know where they can slot in. Mm -hmm. We have two proven guards and only one of them is proven to be a scorer. There's one guy on this team besides Edie that has shown any inclination towards being a shot taker. Yeah, and, and in his Brady freshman year, did pretty well. Oh, yeah. He had pretty a pretty efficient shooter. 92% from the free throw line. Good indicator that he is a legit shooter. When NBA scouts look at players, and even if their shooting numbers are down from three, if they have a high free throw percentage, those kind of players work themselves out of shooters. Struggled a little bit this year, 19 to 24, small sample size, still 80%. His jump shot is as clean as anyone's we've had come in in the last 10 years. And... He did, I thought, show improvement early in the season and a little bit at the end getting to the hoop. We don't have many of those types of players on our team. No. So the runway is wide open for Brandon Newman. Wide open. So uh, let me ask you this. So you know how if you're doing uh, like a, a a build a player on a video game, you get so many points that you get to you know, put on different attributes. Whether they're going to be a good ball handler, good shooter, fast, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you had... Uh, you know, you're taking Brandon Newman from where he is right now, and you had extra points to give him to to increase one of his skills for next season. Uh, what one skill would you choose? Uh, com- 
it's either awareness or ball handling. And it's either or because awareness you can kind of make up for not being able to dribble into places, but I would like to see him be able to be a little more fluid and get around screens, pick and roll, run it a little better. I, I just think he needs to see the, the game a half half second quicker or be able to react a half second quicker. Both those things are within his parameters to expand upon. Okay, so you think that is something that's possible? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, I'm a big Brandon Newman fan. I really love the way he played his freshman year, um, and he was a guy who I expected a lot out of this year. And it really hurt to see, you know, because you could tell he wanted to be out there. Um, you know, we saw pictures all all season of, like, after games where he didn't play, he'd go to Cardinal Court and he'd be shooting mm-hmm. late at night. There'd be a coach with him. Students would walk by, post their pictures uh, of him on, on Twitter and be like, you know, he's he's trying to get back in there. He's putting in the work. And that's really all we can ask for. Um, he didn't leave. Yeah. And he I proved, like. I, I think that says so much about yeah. him as a person and, and the character he has, because when you're faced with such a tough season as he had this last year, it would be so easy to blame everyone else, to look at the situation you're in and say, I got to start over. I got to go somewhere fresh. And right now it's easier than it's ever been to transfer and find yourself a new home. And the, the transfer portal deadline was May 1st uh, and it came and went and Brandon Newman did not enter his name in. And I think you, you can really say how much succeeding here at Purdue means to him based on that. And I'm really looking forward to what he does after an entire offseason focused on getting better uh, after having a really disappointing season. Absolutely. And he wouldn't stay unless he believed that was possible. Yeah. And I think exactly. that belief is very important. Because of the way COVID works out, um, I is it 2020 where you get an extra year? So he redshirted when he would get the extra year anyway. So he only has two years left. I I think it. I, I don't even know if you just had to be on a roster, or if you had to be an active player. I don't know how it works. I don't either. So he's either here for two or three more years. Yeah. In theory. So. Yeah. I yeah. Um. If Purdue's gonna be successful, successful next season, um, Newman's gonna average twelve or more. There's there's no other way around. Yeah, I I agree because Purdue did not really bring in a guy either in the transfer portal or you know via signing or coming off a redshirt who does what Newman does and does it even better than he did, you know? So we have to have somebody who can be a shooter and Newman is really the only one who can kind of step into that role right now. Someone, you know, can always surprise us, could always change how, uh, you know, we think about this team. But as of now, that's got to be Newman and he's got every opportunity to do it. I, the sneaky secret is I don't think we're going to be lacking on shooting next year. Ethan Morton was 44%. Uh, Caleb first was 42%. Mason Gillis was 41%. Brandon Newman struggled 32%, but I think we're pretty confident that if you just put all those guys in the gym who the best shooter would be, it's Newman. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we both think Waddell's going to be a shooter. Yeah. Craig Kaufman Wren yeah. can shoot. All of a sudden, it, the major question is who's going to play make? Not necessarily who's going to shoot. The catch and shooting part is going to take care of itself. I mean, there's no reason to believe Mason Gillis won't take a jump. Um, there's no real reason to believe Ethan Morton won't take a jump. Caleb first, I all, you know, Mr. Indiana. So I think the shooting is there and we have a potential to have a very efficient offense around a Zach Eady centered one man in the post big. It just becomes, do we have someone that can get everyone the ball? Yeah. Cause yeah. I Which... don't believe Newman will ever be that guy. No, no, that's not his role. And I think asking him to do that would put him in a place. Mm-hmm. 
would put him in a position basically to fail. Um, I don't think he'd succeed in that role. So um, do you have anything else on Brandon Newman? Uh, I'm excited. I'm just excited to see him have a free runway because I think if anyone on our team needs it, and I'm really glad he stayed because we've seen this story in the other way so many times. It will be a lot of fun. It'll be very satisfying to potentially see him be a part of a surprisingly successful, which is the way I'm leaning right now, Purdue season. And then I think we all have very high hopes for the next year. Yeah. Yeah. I think he also fits in pretty cleanly next to as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Casey, ever the optimist with the basketball program. Uh, So I'm I'm really looking forward to Newman uh, coming back. Uh, improving next year and and maybe even finding himself back in the starting role. So going to be exciting uh, to see what he can do. And I really look forward to all these guys coming off red shirts. But uh, for now, uh, that's enough for Casey and myself. Thank you for listening. Make sure to hammer that subscribe button. We'll chat with you next time, folks. Boiler Boiler up. up.